count my No, let's see what I was talking about over then. What? Let's talk about over Is that why we started recording? Yeah. How much of that are we going to leave? Oh, I'm going to leave it all in. That people are probably going to be like, man, I am so excited to finally listen to episode two of Garbage Game Club. I episode played Oberdin. I played it a lot quicker than Nick did. Um, I beat it faster than you. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I beat it in seven hours. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's less time than I spent playing it. Yeah. See? Yeah, that's more time than I spent playing it. There we go. I corrected myself. Oh, I thought you said you beat it in nine. No, I when I uh, there was a lot of time that was spent streaming the game for me that uh, oh, okay. doesn't really count. Oh no, it counts. Did you restart? What? Yeah. You restarted after you streamed it. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. it, was it was. There was a couple of days past. It was that's a clusterfuck. Yeah, We're doing fine. a badge. I'm interdicting. I guess it is episode. No, it's fine. I'm just gonna cut this and throw this at the end of the episode as bonus features. I'm gonna say that's fine. Um, I'm. It feels like episode two because it's game number two. Yeah. So I guess episode two. Three high, whatever you want to call it, I'm excited to finally be able to talk about this game because um, Oberdin was put on my radar by you, and mm-hmm. and you know Q4 of last year. Yeah, and, and, and you're like, oh, Joey, you're gonna like this. You yeah, know? it's a Lucas Pope. It's game. a Lucas Pope game. Yeah. You love Lucas Pope games. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. And I didn't play it right away. I waited till I had like a like a reprieve to play it because I'm like, this is going to be a fun game to play with Coral. You know what? I was wrong about that. I feel I would argue most games she doesn't enjoy. Unless they have the words kingdom and or hearts in them. Eh, I I thought I thought that I might be able to to you know, have a, have a fun, unique experience. Uh-huh. It turned out to just be a little bit painful. I enjoyed playing with her because I enjoyed talking through my experience of a game. Uh-huh. And uh, and Coral is is the uh, the the ultimate partner for just having a having a great soundboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one on camera can see the long look into my eyes that we're doing. Um, I. So so yeah so so I, I finally got to play Oberdin. I started playing it on on the Cyber Garbage stream with Coral. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably played for two hours before uh, Coral wanted to kill herself. Yeah. Stopped. It took me like another week to finally pick it up and then and then go back through it again. But boy, am I happy I did, and that that's why I wanted to propose it as as episode two. And I'm uh, I'm genuinely curious um, what percentage of people uh, quote did the homework. Yeah. Uh, versus are just here to hang out and listen to us and be like, they're doing Patreon stuff. I'm going to get my money's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, Either works. You don't have to play this game, and I think you could still learn something from I people feel like, talking about it. I feel, like the old, I feel like there's three different kinds of people who, who would watch this. People who have to play the games no matter what they are because they're like, I'm going to be as well-rounded and educated as possible. Right. Other people who just like play the games already, and they're like, cool. I feel involved in this conversation. The three people are people who are gonna are gonna like listen no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what the different groups of people get out of it, because I would posit that the best possible experience is playing the game along with us. And currently, we have a habit of giving you a lot of time, so I feel like you don't have an excuse. Yeah, you don't. If you didn't play excuse. the game, you must have just looked at it and been like, I can't do this. And if there's a game that you're going to look at and really judge a book by its cover, I think Oberdin is, is, a, is, a great, yeah. is a great game to pass on by judging by its cover because of the art style and because it's a hard-as-fuck detective-slash-puzzle game. 
Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are still currently playing the game, look at your runtime. If you're over 10 hours, I would probably just pause it, start over. You'll probably do yourself a favor. If you spend more than 10 hours trying to figure out the investigation, it's because you forgot something along the way, and you'd probably just be better off starting over. Yeah, it's an interesting game in which... Um... Which is kind of what happened to me. I didn't go over 10 hours, but I, I played it um, like as soon as you know we, we assigned it, and I kind of like bounced off of it a little bit. I probably played for two to three hours, two hours. Two, I think you played for like two hours twice. And I think I was just like break. I was like a really into the the primary process. Uh, well, we we should talk about how the game works. We should talk about what the game is because we're dancing a lot around a, a yeah. lot around about you know playing the game, you know judging the game. But what is the game, Nick? Return of the Oberdin is an old school style adventure game where you play as an insurance adjuster. And your job is the return of this mysterious ship called the Oberdin at a specific harbor. You get assigned to figure out what happened to the ship. And in doing so, you have to find how all of its 60 crew members either died and or escaped or ultimately just the fate of these crew members. And you have to figure out their name, who they are, and how they died. And whether or not they were killed by someone else or not. And you do that via a series of different journal entries in this very big journal that has crew photos. It has a crew roster. It has, like, moments of their each crew member's death. And you get those specific moments via this very special pendant slash compass that allows you to see the exact moment that someone died. You don't see a video, you don't see any animation, just the moment that particular corpse decided to die. Or didn't decide to die, but was killed. Yeah, so, so you get a snapshot. So you go through this game uh, seeing just a series of vignettes, mm-hmm. which, which is really fun because um, the, the place you have to explore is relatively very small and starts what, off four, four very levels? locked off. It, it's, yeah, like, I mean, it's the size of a small boat, yeah. you know, a, a, a small ship, a pirate ship type, type ordeal. So you got, you know, the top deck, the bottom deck, you know, different cruise quarters. But the game unfolds really nicely in the sense that you're given your first um, killing, your first body, your first snapshot to investigate. And then you get into other uh, snapshots, other vignettes by visiting the first one. So, so it just opens a whole can of worms because you look at vignette one and you jump into vignette two and then vignette two gives you access to vignette three. And although it's not 100% linear like that, um, yeah, I mean, the game, the, the first murder you investigate is the last one. Yeah. And, and again, it, it folds non-linearly, but you kind of get forced into positions of like, oh, these series of events happened back and forth. But uh, one thing that we haven't touched on that's super important is how do you know you're right? So when you're, when you're um, you know, adjusting these, pers- these people's names and, and their murderer and their method of being murdered, which are the three things, once again, you have to go over, um, you only find out if you're right in series of three. So even though there's like, what, 60, 70, 80? 60 80? people. 60 people. I was right the first time. I should have trusted myself. There's 60 people on the ship, um, and you might know who the first one is right away. You don't get confirmation on that until you have three 
correct assessments. Mm -hmm. So you might have a really good idea who uh, person X is, but you kind of have a vague idea that it's person Y and Z. And so you have no way of confirming person X until you verify that person Y and or Z is for sure like this is who they are. And you, you won't know unless they're all correct. Yeah. Which it's is so satisfying. Which is fun because it's, it's a mechanic that lets you not be able to cheat the game too much by guessing. Yeah. Um, but in you theory, you just c- enough. In theory, you could play this game without ever actually playing the game in theory yes and there is a lot of obstification mm-hmm. um there's, there's a lot of uh, like methods of death that are just never used yeah and instance. there's there's it's like on purpose it's like uh, um i think frozen was one of them or like exposed to the elements that that's one that never gets used and there's a bunch that never get used and um while there are elements of of death that never gets used and while you do have to know who killed someone and who they are, the game is a little bit lenient on what exactly happened to them. Like, were they spiked or crushed? Oftentimes they're interchangeable, and if you're close enough... Or speared. I find myself like, am I overthinking this spiked or speared? What's the difference? (laughs) You you have to decide, you have to figure out all 60 of these people's fates, which Mm is is interesting because um, you don't know what many of them are, and you can find yourself a couple hours into the game only having a couple confirmations and now you have maybe you've looked at 20 30 vignettes but you only know three six nine people and suddenly you have this whole slew of information that you don't know what to do with and that's exactly what happened to me when i first started the game I, again i got i figured out the first three that, that are pretty easy the game kind of tees it up for you like okay this is pretty easy. You figure out what happened to the a captain. tutorial, if you will. Yeah, you figure out what happened to the captain of the ship, his betrothed, and one crew member who attacked the captain. And you're like, oh, great. This game's going to be a, a piece of cake. This is totally fine. I got this. And then hour two rolled by. I was like, okay, I'm about to get another three. And then hour three rolled by. I was like, great. I got two sets of three in three hours. Perfect. And then I realized I had looked at probably 15 to 20 different people. And the game has this mechanic where you are able to reference a crew photo. And the game, like when you first begin, all their faces are obscured and blurred out, which means... Every crew member has their own page in the book. Yeah, and, 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 and if their portrait is blurred, that means you don't have enough information yet to figure out who that person is. But once their face becomes unblurred, that's the game's way of telling you somehow you have stumbled into the right amount of information you should be able to figure out who this person is. And, and there I is look- some bad feelings when you see so many unblurred oh. faces and realize that you don't know what's going on. Oh, and that's when I realized I have... And then I like waited a day to play the game again, and I was just like, I don't remember anything. And this is when I was concerned that you might just be like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of was, like, annoyed by it. But that said, I, I was drawn to the central mystery of of the uh, of what happened on the Oberdin because I had gotten in my first playthrough to the part where their ship gets invaded. And, and at first you think, oh, pirate, like, fine, it's going to be humans. For some reason, despite the supernatural element of being able to visit their death, I just assumed it would unfold, like, oh, just people. Like, it would be just, like, a... a, a a realistic a game of clue a realistic 
adventure on the high seas. I was not expecting to see the Kraken, and I certainly wasn't expecting to see those terrifying spider wizard people because I was really into that. And so once I saw the spider people, I was like, okay, I gotta know what happened on this ship. This is just too cool to me. And so that's what compelled me to start over and try and really pay attention. And that's when I started using every tool at my disposal, whether it be the map of the ship, the glossary in the back, because I, I wasn't familiar with what the different parts of a ship are and what the different roles on the ship are. So I had to piece it together like, okay, this is what a first mate is. I'm glad I know what a first mate is. And and I know what a, like the gunnery is and all, all that stuff. I think it's really interesting how you describe what, what pulls you back into the game because uh, it really shows the difference in what we take away and find enjoyable and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because um, while I thought that some of, the, some of the supernatural stuff was, you know, fun or even like a little terrifying at times, mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't give less of a shit about that. And I was way more interested in the pure puzzle detective mechanics so you are you are the insurance adjuster yeah and, and that's one of the things that i think that i forgot i was doing until the very end of the game because i i think that um it's not very often in gaming even though this is you know one of gaming's big missions is, is to put yourself and project you into a role or a body or yeah. a character and I can play God of War and I can realize how I'm supposed to be feeling like I'm Kratos, but I never feel like I'm Kratos. Uh -huh. I, I never feel like I like I met CEO or I never, you know, feel like I'm Gordon Freeman. Uh -huh. um, even though those are probably three of the biggest examples of doing that. I felt like I was the insurance adjuster because I was curious. I was personally invested. I wasn't like a person or a character. I, it was just you were an objective third so party. So easy for me to be that third party and yeah. project myself in that role. That like very few games, I felt like I was the 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 titular protagonist character. And, and I think that's what speaks to the game so so well. Like, f for me, if I was an insurance adjuster, I would be interested in, like, well, why did this happen? That's not my job, but human curiosity often gets the better of us to be like, oh, well, why did they do that? But that's not what the game's rating you on. It's rating on whether or not you figured out how they died, and that's all that matters, which is reinforced at the end of the game where you figure out what happened. Again, this is jumping to the end briefly, but it's fine. It doesn't really matter what happens at the end. It's the idea that I was so personally invested in what happened and what unfolded on the ship, the mutiny and all the dangers that they underwent. And then to have like the book, basically you look at every member and then you see, well, this person committed suicide. So they don't get it. Their family gets no, uh, no uh, return on their life insurance. Well, this person was murdered. So they get like 20 pounds. Great. And so on and so forth. It, it's so like cold and calculated, which I love. And it's just like a slap in the face of like, this is what you were doing. This is all that matters. This is what's important. For put, as put aside your personal biases. You did your job. Well done. Congratulations to you. And yeah, I, I felt like I did my job and I had a fun time doing my job. And part of the reason why I had a fun time doing my job is that um, I think without hyperbole, mm -hmm. 
that this is the best detective game ever made. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that it's it's so... Most of the time when you're making a puzzle game, or when I first thought about this, I wanted to say it's the best puzzle game I've ever played. But then I realized that that's not necessarily true because puzzle games can take many um, forms. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it's hard to like put something on that pedestal. But when you're talking about detective games, I think about like some point-and-click adventures like a Sam and Max thing. Or I think about... The popping of those peas. I, I think about a point-and-click adventure. Uh-huh. Or I think about... Um, like maybe even the witness, or, yeah. Or I, I think about um, L.A. Noir. Okay. Game games where you're in the role of a detective, but even though you are being the detective, you're still being guided down the path by the game. You can only, you know, ask the character searching questions. You can only interact with certain objects. Mm-hmm. You can only. F- follow the script even if it's even if it's a white script yeah but here in Oberdin, because the game gives you so little aside from these vignettes everything is up to your own deduction mm-hmm. whether it's finding out that you need to use elements of 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 race of clothing of rings of tattoos of hats of where people are standing in pictures of where they go to bed um, of what their accent sounds like in, yeah. in some of the voice clips. Mm-hmm. The, fa- the fact that you are not ha- handheld at all in being able to piece together all this information in the way that makes sense to you or the way that you see f- or the way that doesn't make sense to you. Yeah, um, it, it, there is no set like you have to follow this path to solve the problem. You can answer them in any order you want. You can, you can guess about parts. You can go back to whatever you need to. And um, I think that the game, that's why it is such a phenomenal example of being a detective. And open design. Yeah. Not a lot of games are good at giving the player the option to solve things the way that suits that player. And it's not even like there's multiple answers. Even though there's literally multiple answers, like specific questions like was he spiked or speared. Yeah. There's not multiple answers to, you know... All, all, all of these paths. Yeah, like Captain whatever will always commit suicide. He, he commits suicide. Mm-hmm. But it's how you gleam that information is what's unique. Because you're like, well, yeah, he has a gun pointed under his head. Of course he committed suicide. Or, yeah, the VO said that he's like basically giving a, a, like a remember me speech, essentially. How you interpret it is entirely up to you. If you're looking for an experience in a game where you are being a detective and it, and it's being demanding of you to be observant and being clever like a detective would have to be mm-hmm. to do his job then i think that this is the first game that you point to for that experience now that being said if you're someone who's just looking for like a puzzle game or an adventure game or a story game or something that has you know a triple a level of polish these are this is where it falls a little bit short because um, I, I had other friends who played the game and finished the game. Uh-huh. Um, and even myself who had uh, some, some gripes just about how things work or like ease of access. Uh-huh. Like the fact that um, 
I can't fast travel different vignettes. You can't fast travel. The way your journal works is sometimes pretty clunky. And when you first get the death vignette, you only have like 15 seconds to like look at people before the game forces you out of the vignette and makes you do like this weird scene where like the the magical power is ending almost and you get sucked out of the vision. Those were all annoyances to me. Yeah, I think that I understand why there's some mechanics that aren't there, like why you can't sprint around or why you can't easily click back to like um, all of the vignettes that a certain person was in. Yeah. So you can try and I piece stuff together. I think that this game would benefit a lot from an update that included um, an easy mode, uh-huh. which has some uh, some toggleable options like just allowing you to walk farther or faster, allowing you to fast travel to vignettes. Even if you just started there to take out some of the pressure points that some people might not enjoy that that impedes them from maybe just even wasting time because the amount of time that it's like oh man i gotta look through my journal i gotta like figure out okay now what vignettes was this person i think he was in this one let me walk back to this one no i wasn't there oh fuck was it the other (laughs) one like stuff like that i can see as being too much of a frustration for someone who is not completely involved in the game or the world um, because it was even grating to me who was like really engrossed. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's hard to give a blanket positive recommendation because there are so many little things like this that can be annoyances. And even to some people, just the, the, the graphic style, the shader style is an annoyance because there's times where the game is just hard to, to look, look at, at you get with your eyes. Yeah. Um, I know I played with... Uh, uh, basically, it's like the filter is is an old, you know, like Mac One PC. Yeah. And what I color? Play- yeah. What color was it? I played with a with a purple color. Oh, okay. Because I felt that that was the easiest for me to look at. The black and white is a little bit too harsh. Didn't you play on green for a second? I played on green for like that seems, for like three hours. That seems insufferable. I and then after I realized like this isn't helping me, I changed it to the brown filter. And that was significantly better. I think that's fun. There's a lot of filters. I think that people will have a personal preference to them. Yeah. But I do know that the graphics are off point to some. I do know that there's some minor annoyances. I do think that there's a certain barrier of entry to this game that requires you to, th- I mean, this is going to sound like elitist, but like have a certain, like, the, the game needs you to be competent and paying attention and to a degree smart. Yeah, no, for sure. I I think that if you have a hard time parsing information, like whether it be studying, reading, or anything like that and retaining it, you're going to have a hard time with this game. It could be frustrating and Mm -hmm. like that almost... And discouraging. Yeah, and that almost feels she to say like, because if you wanted to like pull that out to like a Fox News quote that's like misquoting me, it would be like, Joey says this is a high IQ game. Yeah, you need to be smart to play the game. But but that's not the case. It isn't true, but but people... It expects of you a certain level of like commitment and like it, it treats you like an adult. And if that's not your wheelhouse, if your wheelhouse isn't like like a very strong memory or being able to do this type of deduction or being able to visualize and connect different things in in space then then i can see it being frustrating and maybe like like discouraging because you might feel bad about yourself for not being able to like 
mm-hmm. accomplish something. Yeah. And and this isn't the case for I Am Ed because I put a post up on Patreon for people to leave comments, questions, and whatnot. Uh, I Am Ed was very much in the former camp where he said, so for me, uh, while the art style of the game was very aesthetic, I simply found looking at the graphics for a long period of time, especially looking close to pick out details, was exhausting on my eyes. This made me have to set the game down and stop playing often before I wanted. The problem with that is not the easy, it's not the easiest game to pick back up because you have to refigure out who did what and what lines you thought you had going. As such, as such I played around three-ish hour sessions of it and eventually stopped wanting to go back to the game. As the game gets deeper and more complex in the puzzles, it gets even harder to jump back in and reorient yourself. So I'm not sure it's something I'll ever get back to and actually finish, which kind of sucks because I like what the game's puzzles are going for, and they do feel rewarding when they finally figure out a series of events. TLDR, neat concept, fun puzzle ideas, can be a bit challenging, feels like you're going around in circles at times, but worth it if you solve things. There's just a few game design things about it that prevent me from wanting to go back and finish the game. Which... You touched on it as well. It's not a game... You, you said, like, the game's fun, but I don't think that the game is fun to play. I think it's rewarding to play, but again... It's I, fun to a very specific mindset. But but that said, I don't... The, the game's job is not to be fun. The game's goal is to make you feel like you're an insurance adjuster and make you feel like you have a job. So there are systems in place which uh, annoyed me, like especially the vignette thing when you first visit a, a memory and you get sucked out of it after 15 seconds. I find myself like scattering around like, okay, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Great. I know who was in the scene before the scene faded. And then I, re- I was getting mad, especially how the game handled the journal. And I was like, why is it so difficult to navigate this journal? And I started thinking about Lucas Pope and I started thinking about Papers, Please. He's very good at making it feel like you have an office job to some extent where there's just like, yeah, it's not most like easy thing to parse, but you know, that's just the system that's in place. And so that's how we've been doing it for years. So that's just how we do it. It feels like the additional effort that you would have to put forth at a job. It's not debilitating. It's just an annoyance that gets under your skin. So the fact that you can't fast travel, I think is just honestly true to the game's vision oh yeah and that, that's my that's my response to people who would complain about it too i think it's i think it's true to the vision but i think that if you wanted to make a game more accessible oh yeah either in in the truest sense of the word like accessible for people who need it or accessible to a broader audience just having some toggleable switches but at what point are you compromising your art you're not compromising your team's artistic vision because lucas pope made this game entirely himself at what point do you say, I'm making this game myself, fuck the people who want the, the game the way they want it? I mean, that's probably the difference between my mindset and a true artist mindset is because I'll always think of the bottom line and I'll always know that if he added a couple different things, even if they were just options, uh-huh. more people would buy the game. Oh, yeah. And he can like, but like he probably doesn't need money. I think he might be like my favorite video game auteur. He's pretty cool. He's a very, very cool, interesting dude. There's a, a YouTube- People are like willing to Toby Fox, but I'm like, not nah, man, Lucas Pope. You pointed me to an article be from Ars Technica where an Ars Technica writer sat down with him in Japan and the fact that he lives in Japan as like an ex-American, he's an expat in Japan. Like, I don't actually, I don't think he's American, but he's an expat essentially living in Japan and how he parses information. You really see how it gets translated in this game. It feels like someone who's had a lot of experience being involved where you had to parse information 
in unconventional ways. And I really, really, that's the way uh, Miyazaki designed Dark Souls and Bloodborne. He only understood Japanese, so he would read American literature, but he could only understand a couple words, so he would let his imagination fill out what happened between the words that he could understand. It's just like, that's a really unique way of looking about the world. I don't know if it's great, I don't know if it's great. but I think it's interesting. I don't know if I'd defend it, but... It's a very interesting way. It's unique for sure, and I think it lends itself well to games. I think so, too. And I think that's why, I mean, if you're looking at a, a thousand-foot view, I would say that Oberdin is one of my favorite games of, of 2018. I think we even, when we did the 2018s on the attack, I, I listed it as, as, as not, not my favorite, but like... But it was up there. It's definitely up there because it's, it's not afraid to do something that, that no one else is doing and do the parts of it that are important well. It's my favorite game that I haven't really had a lot of fun playing to some extent. Like I, enjo- award. I enjoyed I'm my sure time. I'm sure that that might make Lucas happy. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's true to what he wants you to experience, you know? Um, one thing that the game did that really fascinated me is that it forced me to reevaluate how I judge people in some ways that Go were on. in some ways that were pretty like eye-opening and like a little bit shady and kind of gross to some extent because i found myself doing everything i could to figure out information like anyone who's playing the game but you start to generalize people in some pretty interesting ways um you uh, the ship is full of uh, people from different nations and one of the the like the kick in the ass moments I had was trying to figure out who the carpenter and who the carpenter's assistant was. <laughs> and so I found them. I had never seen them like in one of the vignettes and I finally saw them in one of the vignettes and I saw two people. I was like, great. They're in the wood shop. There's the carpenter and the carpenter's assistant. I'm, and then one is a white man and one is a black man. And my mind immediately went, oh, the white dude's the carpenter and the other one's the assistant. And also it's reinforced by the fact that the carpenter is currently working wood in that vignette. But that doesn't mean anything. So the big slap in the face to me was doing that and being like, well, I thought that would work. Because I was like, for sure, I know I got one of these correct. Like my third character, that's right. I know, I think it was like the author or the, the photographer, the artist. I was like, for sure, this is a correct one. So there's two here. One of these is the carpenter. One of them is the carpenter's assistant. So, okay, white dude's the carpenter, black dude's the assistant. I was like, hmm, that didn't work. Then I swapped them. Then it says, congratulations, that's another three. And I felt like the biggest shithead in the world, which I thought was beautiful. I, I like it, That experience moved me in that brief moment. I was like, shit, good stuff, well done, really well done. And again, it, it forced me to do other things too, where I'm like, well, there's only four or five Indian dudes here that work in the, um, I, I forgot where they worked. They're, they were seamen. And so I was like, huh, well, they probably hang out together, right? And so then I went back, because I, I, I usually only use the photo as a reference to reinforce my theories. And so I went to the photos. I was like, great, they're hanging around together. So for sure they're close they're close-knit, then you're like, okay, well, what's their names? And so then you're just like, well, there's four Indian dudes. I could probably just, like, I know for sure Saeed died to sickness, so that means I know one person's death. 
So in theory, I should be able to just process of elimination this by just cycling their names out. But there was something about that that felt very dehumanizing to me. And I thought that that was just like this weird, gross, profound moment of like, I mean, I'm not wrong the way I did it. But the fact that I dehumanized them to an extent where it's like, well, you're the only Indian dude. So boom, 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 boom. This is your name. This is your name. This is your name. Nope, that didn't work. You're probably this. You're probably this. You're probably this. Great. That worked. But it also made me feel pretty gross. The only thing in the game that I don't know the answers for is um, there's like four Chinese top men. And I'm like. I got very lucky with the Chinese top men. I'm like, well, um. Let's just guess. I got like I figured those ones out immediately because I got to the point where I had two people figured out, and then I was just trying to like figure out the third person to get them confirmed, and then I just picked a random name on the dude who got struck by lightning, and I got it correct, and I was like, "This is fantastic! I can figure out the rest of the Chinese crew members just by process of elimination again. This is fantastic!" And I would find myself when I had a hard time. I would save characters who I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was right about, and then I would use them in my process of elimination. So I'd be like, this is great. I can cycle people in and out. And again, super dehumanizing, but it's not my job to be human. Gaming the game. Yeah, but I don't think that's the wrong way of playing. No, 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 no. It's uh, You need to use anything at your disposal in this game because, uh, like we said, it's difficult. I definitely had the moment, though, the Frenchman... The Frenchman and the tattoo guy, I wanted to rip my hair out because I was like, I think it's the, um, the, the, ba- what's his name? The Bazin? The, the Bazon. The Bazon or, yeah. He said, where's my, where's my Frenchman? And then someone tells him, oh, he was ripped apart by the beast. I was like, tattooed dude was ripped apart by the Kraken. You're the Frenchman. No. No, not at all. And then I was just slamming my head into my computer trying to figure it out and i was looking at the photo and i was like there's no way lucas pope would make the frenchman the one in the striped shirt because that's the stereotype the frenchman in the the white blue striped shirt and sure enough hey man (laughs) and i was just so mad at myself for spending so long trying to figure out who the Frenchman was. A lot of it a lot of it made sense to me, but that's because I um I played the game with pen and paper. Uh-huh. Which I would unequivocally recommend. I did that for my second playthrough. I was like, this is vital for me. I think that um <clears throat> I'd be really into if they released a copy of Oberdin that came with a notebook that's like the journal that the inspector has. That'd be great. And then you can fill in the journal physically while while playing the game. That'd be wonderful. Um, that's 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 my that's my business pitch to to Lucas. That's a collector's edition I would probably buy because I think that's such I'd an elegant book. way of doing it. Yeah, I'd want the book, and I mean I'm that's, I'm sure that this is not an original thought, and it's yeah. but the ability to like sell that game on Amazon. Oh. Give me, give me a game of the year edition that that comes with a book. Fantastic idea. I'll buy it just for the book. 
Um, because you you really should play this game yeah. with a pen and paper. Absolutely. Highly recommend it. You will... And I don't know how many other games you recommend playing with a pen and paper for. It, it's, again, it's something that's reserved for old school style point and click adventure games, which is this, this is definitely an homage to. You're not point and clicking anything, but it, it's evocative of those classic adventure games with how you parse information, which I'm just... You, you nailed it, Lucas Pope. Like, this is... This is how you, he was true to his vision 100%. And he never compromised on it at any point, at least from what I could tell. I don't think so either. I think that, um, I think that I would just say that if you have listened to us talk about it and we've interested you at all and you haven't played it and you're someone who likes the idea of playing a detective game or you really like puzzles, you should just play it. It, it, I, don't, I don't think we spoiled too much, barely anything. No. Um, I, I think that it is a remarkably unique experience. And, and if you're someone who likes puzzles, if you like, if you want the feeling of being a detective in a game like you truly never have before, you should play this game. And just, I, th- I think we're rounding it out, but I, one thing I want to talk about briefly is the ending. There's two endings. I wouldn't know that because I just got the ending where I just, you know, solved everything. So well, I had heard there was two endings. I did the ending where I solved everything as well. But um, one thing that was bothering me is there's there's a Swiss man, and he's the captain's mate, I believe, something like that, who goes crazy for some reason, whether it be a curse or he's just, like, actually come to his senses. He gets thrown in the, the brig. He gets thrown in the jail, and that, that's something you don't have access to when you play the game. You see the brig, but it's locked, and you could see someone was spiked through it, and you're like, well, shit, that's this guy. I need to know what he looks like. I know his name, but I need to see him so that I can throw it in my journal. That way I can figure out this person. That's an easy figure out, but that's actually the last person you can get in the game mm-hmm. because the game officially ends when you have, like, three people left to to figure out you you get a notification that that is all the murders or fates that are solvable at this time you can return your ship because once you get to like 20 people left on the crew roster 20 fates left to decide it starts raining and the person who brought you to the ship says hey that's it Come on down whenever you're ready. That's not 100% true. It starts raining once you've seen all the vignettes. Oh, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the guy tells you, though, like, hey, come on down whenever you're ready, and I'll take you back to harbor, but make sure you finish everything you can if, if you still have more to do. So it's like, okay, so I guess the game could end here, but I felt I was like, there's only, like, 20 people left. Surely I can figure this out. And you leave the ship with three fates left unsolved and then the game fast forwards however many years later and you're just in your study and you get a mysterious package that lets you find the rest of the fates and it's not one of those things that you need to do for your job but it satisfies the human it satisfies the me in that like my kind of personality where I need to know what happened for closure, uh, like on a personal level. I'm so invested in what unfolded on the ship, and I finally have the reward. And it's one of those things that you've seen movies and TVs. There's people who go their entire lives without getting closure on that one thing they wish they knew the answer to. And the game gives you that opportunity, which I thought was really, really cool. Fucking Lucas Pope, man. 
Yeah, he's a good game designer. I'm I'm I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. Truly. Wait ten years. We're gonna have children. <laughs> It'll be like Well no, like Papers Please came out in what year? Twenty eleven? Yeah, see this twenty eighteen. It only took seven years. I'm sorry that I rounded up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And he designed, scored, and man, he did a lot. <laughs> he did a lot on this game. He can just stop. Yeah, go out while he's on top. He may, he might have one more in him. I think he does. I, I he strikes me as a dude who, who isn't happy being content. He strikes me as a dude who's like, how do I do better? How do I make something more interesting? I mean, I could also just play more papers, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, played a, I played a game called Not Tonight, uh-huh. which is a, the 2018 equivalent of Papers, Please. It's actually a game about Brexit. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's basically playing Papers, Please. It's like skinned differently with like uh, like a couple different mechanics. Mm. It, it's a true evolution of that game. And you know what? Not as good. But it really scratched that itch. And at the end of the day, that, that itch is so strong for something mundane like that that yeah. i'll just never get over yeah not a lot of people make these kinds of games and for good reason they're they're very hard to make and make well and also like who really wants to play them aside from crazy people <laughs> this isn't gonna be you know this is gonna sell copies like like assassin's creed yeah oh man i can't wait to go stab caesar yeah Ugh. And I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying those kinds of games. There is. You must only like the most purest form of independent art. <laughs> no, uh, but thank you guys for listening and or watching us talk about Return of oh, the Overdone. Oh, no. Overdin. Are we going to put the video up? Yeah. Oh, no. Why not? Some pe- I like to give people the ability to do an audio and or a video version because, like, sometimes when I get home and I'm all alone and I want to eat dinner, I'll throw a video up with people on it just so it's like, oh, this is nice. Man. So people can just have dinner and watch us sit on a couch. No one's going to do that. People do that. No one's going to do yeah, that. Yeah, people do that. Um, I guess that means that as, as we wrap this up, we have to talk about what we're going to do next for episode three. Episode four. I'm going to keep calling it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm, I'm the one who uploads them. I'm just going to call it episode Yeah, I know. Three. In my mind, it's always going to be <laughs> minus one. Um, we we got to talk about what the next game is. The next game. And we got to talk about we've, we've, we've slightly reeled in the time it takes between episodes. I think we can still get that a little bit tighter. I think it could be a shorter turnaround. I, I, th- I think it could be a shorter turnaround. And this one's mostly going to be on me because it's a game that I haven't played. <laughs> so it's really easy for me to blame Nick for episode one and two. I am going to replay this game for the sake of this show. I guarantee I'm going to finish it before Nick does. I promise you that's not the case. I've been itching. I will go home and play it tonight <laughs> and not sleep, motherfucker. <laughs> I've been itching to replay this game. And I'm talking Apex Legends right now is the game that everyone's talking about. And people are like, oh, shit. Maybe. Isn't the source engine fucking cool? <laughs> it's like, maybe I should have paid attention to Titanfall and won. You're right. You should have been paying to Titanfall. Uh, Titanfall 1 was also good. Titanfall 2, though, on the other hand, is the first Titanfall game to feature a single-player mode. So our next game for Garbage Game Club is going to be the critically acclaimed single-player mode of Titanfall 2. You can get the game for, like, less than $5 on Origin or just on PSN. It's always on sale. And Joey will probably just borrow my origin login. Yeah. So, you know, the thing with Titanfall 2 that I find to be interesting is that it wasn't 
on my radar. I played the multiplayer for a hot minute, mm-hmm. like literally a hot minute, and I'm like, I don't like this as much. Uh-huh. It feels like a bad. I, I feel I, I don't like the multiplayer. It's not Counter Strike. Right. It's not like classic Halo. So like whatever. Um, but I never jumped into the single player campaign for like time constraints or other reasons. I'm like, if I don't like the multiplayer, why am I going to put the single player? It's probably like some dumb story like about Titans or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but then I saw more and more people online talk about how it's kind of the uh, like the best single player FPS campaign since Half Life Two, mm-hmm. and kind of a natural iteration on that type of game development and it made me wonder how it took me two years to get that memo (laughs) like i don't know like if i'm not following like the right people to give me this information or like i i i I don't know how i skipped out on that but but titanfall 2 has been something that i have been meaning to play and know that I've got to play for this for a little while. So I've been, I've been holding off even longer than I probably wanted to. But um, I, it's been something that probably over the last three months I've been like, i got to play that just because of my deep, profound respect for uh, Half-Life and the people who talk critically well about Titanfall 2. And then the, the interest in having... Uh, uh, I can't not tell you the last time I have played a single-player fps campaign (laughs) i genuinely can't because so many of them have just been bad Mm -hmm. or mediocre i'll call mediocre also bad (laughs) it's probably been five years and that's come from someone who played like you know every one of the cod campaigns Mm -hmm. because he liked half-life so much that he was just jonesing for something that he was younger yeah no i totally feel and um one thing that i want people who are going to do this and play along i'm, I'm going to be streaming the game for those who don't want to buy the game that's a plug yeah that's just so you can watch someone play it who's played it before and uh, one thing that i challenge you to do while you're playing it is don't look at the game from a story perspective because the story is not great the story in titanfall 2 not particularly good but look at the design of Titanfall 2 single player. And that's what that's my challenge to you is think about game design and why it's regarded, why this single player campaign is held in such high regard of good design. So that that's the challenge because I feel like that's something that I never do without being explicitly told to or until I think about it myself. So so think about it. Think about what it takes to make a game like this and why it's designed the way it is, why things unfold the way they unfold. That's the challenge. I'm going to do it, but I also have to play it for the first time. Nice. I'm very jealous of you. I mean, there's a lot of things to... Mm, no, I think it's just that. I mean, now you're just being mean. Because <laughs> we both know there's... I mean, my hairline. I'm very happy with my hairline. The timber in my voice. Mm, no. Um, the arch in my feet. No. My ability... To wink with both eyes. That's called blinking. Separately. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us in Garbage Game Club. Play Titanfall 2 or just watch me. Or play Oberdin if you haven't. And play Oberdin. Do both.
I'm talking over here. What you doing? I'm talking over here. Great. Can I go ahead and talk into the other mic real quick? Oh, man. I got a burp that's just halfway out. It's like, it's settling now. It's disgusting. Oh, man. It's, oh, it's stuck. Keep going. It's stuck burp. I really don't like the way that it feels. Oh. More? Gross, 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 gross. Oh, that's actually, oh, man. Oh, I think it's actually some digestion. Oh, I'm going to vomit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Testing, 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 testing. Would you stop? That's too loud. Do it again. What? How's it too loud? I'm just sitting here talking. Nah, it's fine. I'm just, oh man, my mustache is at the point where it's like a little bit itchy. Uh-oh. Yeah, I gotta shave tonight. Me too. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it, but I'm gonna do it. That's good. I mean, I'll get there. It's just never, like... I always I always think about having to shave and then hop in the shower and then realize that I didn't shave. And then I'm like, well, I guess I got to wait until tomorrow. I do that sometimes. I do that more often than I'd like to. Yeah. I don't know how that's one thing I forget. It's because I don't have my phone or my notes in the bathroom. So that's just that just shows how cripplingly reliant I am on on a system to remember stuff because as soon as it's taken away from me i instantly go into into dumb dumb mode that's okay <coughs> it's not okay <coughs> i'm also dying <coughs> oh yeah you're peaking big time hey everybody oh well so much for a cold open we're now i gotta think of a whole other story to talk about but no 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 one wants to listen to this. Well, they will. <sighs> Go ahead and kick us off, bro. What's Alex saying? I'm just so busy that I can't get away from my phone for long enough. I'm a I am a person of industry i have i have a very strong memory of being like i think 21 in vegas and uh and at the craps table and it was like my first time there with my friends when oh, i was would you pull out your phone of age no no no, no. um it's just that we were, we were doing we we're doing some good winning uh-huh. doing some good dice rolling and then one guy was like four in the morning he comes up to me and he's like dude that was some that was some good that was some good playing you are gonna be a champion of industry he like pokes me in the chest and he's like i'm going to bed but you you sir are gonna be a champion of industry and you know what that stuck with me i have no idea who that person is I'm never going to see them again, but one day I'm going to be really successful. I'm going to think about that guy because he pointed that's out, it's like, you... That's what you live your life by? Kind of. Okay. It's, it's that and, uh, and my fourth grade teacher telling me I was a good leader. <laughs> I'm glad that stuck out with you. Those, what was your fourth grade teacher's name? It was, it was Elaine Cobb. We've had run- lunch recently. Did she really? Yeah. I mean, like, Why? How how's she doing? Ago. She's great. She's uh it's interesting because she's like older now. Like she can be like almost my grandma's age. She's like in her late sixties. Why lunch and not a late dinner? 
What? Because, okay, old people don't do late dinners. <laughs> and, and lunches makes more sense. They have better specials at the Chinese place. Oh, you went to Chinese? Yeah. That you, seems like a weird place with, to bring someone. You don't hang out with old teachers? Lunch. No, no, not really. Actually, no, I do one, actually. I yeah. take that back. I, I, but not an elementary school teacher. That's weird. I, I thought it was weird, um, but we, like, loosely kept up. You just over the years, you chatting. Well, it was like it was like a friends on Facebook thing. <laughs> okay. And uh, you know, my 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 sister had her, and it was just like a. Oh, okay. So that's a, that's a little more understandable. And yeah, like my mom helped with a bunch of stuff. So that's different. Okay. Now yeah, I see where we're going. She she really invigorated. I had a really bad uh, third grade. Why? Third grade was was pretty insufferable for me. I think it's because um, uh, my teacher was a cock. Mm. Just a, just a great A. She really had it out for third grade, just, Joey. Just a great A cock. She was the worst. Um, what was her name? Uh, Miss Perez. Miss Perez. Yeah, Miss? Miss Perez. No, unmarried. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah, there's no way anyone would ever want to <laughs> latch to that because she's she was a succubus. Um, Wait, that means that they would want to latch on to her. Well, no. The, the bad, I mean, like, they'd want to latch on to her, but not stay oh okay um i was so disheartened with third grade that i like did i dreaded going to fourth grade and fourth grade was just like ended up being really good for a bunch of different reasons and part of the reasons was like just having a good teacher in a good environment why do you have so much depression in the third grade i have i really can't pinpoint on any one thing uh but you think it was miss perez well she was just not a good teacher and she was mean Mm. and also there was just such a copious amount of homework and I remember that being like a problem at the time of like not wanting to do two hours of homework a night. That's too much. Two hours of homework for third grade, that's dumb. I think anything more than like 30 minutes of homework yeah. until you're in maybe fifth grade. I feel like fifth grade you can start to have more homework because it's setting you up for middle school. Um, I don't think I can ever remember a time that I spent ev- over an hour on homework from elementary to high school and in college i did maybe at most two to three hours i never pulled like all-nighters for college anything oh college i had a rough schedule which necessitated some long hours just because i had so many different things to do Mm -hmm. but it was more of a the 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 biggest problem with with homework in elementary school was just i guess doing it in the first place yeah i would always just do my homework on the way to school and be like, oh, well, you had you had so much time. No, I, mean, 20 I, I walked no, to school. That's difficult. Yeah, walking and doing homework is tough. Yeah, so I couldn't do that. I I didn't do a ton of homework. I remember there was a period of time where I did all my math homework, um, and I felt really good about it. Someone just resubbed. What? <laughs> I can't see their name. Well, well, I mean, we're not live or anything, so I mean, they yeah, they just did it. That's going to be on the recording forever. Yeah, it's fine. Oh man. You didn't do that. I I feel like I did a lot of homework. No, I feel like I was. Homework has never been something I felt overwhelmed by. I was just always good at making sure it got done and getting good grades on it. I was I was never overwhelmed by it, but there I went through periods of times of just either not doing any of it or being a completionist, and it was like a weird sine wave. And I f- I feel like I min maxed my time well, mm-hmm. and all things considered, for how well I did, I didn't do as much as I should have, yeah. which is definitely a marker of, of being able to do well, I think, is being able to do as little as possible. Yeah, that's great. I, I always planned my homework sessions as like, okay, I'm going to have 20 minutes before this class in college. That's more than enough time I need to write this three-page essay. Perfect. Great. And do well. See, now, the reason why we differ there is that um, 
the closer being close to deadlines isn't motivating it's stressful no that's fine so knowing that if i have something that i need to do in a week mm-hmm. but i can do it now like there's no reason to, to oh, I, I never procrastinate it was always like oh it got assigned yesterday and i gotta make sure i do it today well i'm gonna slot this time in for my time to do this homework for this class that's next you know it's i don't know i i always had to get like in in the right zone like there was a lot of confounding variables like you you had to be like in the right mindset in the right time you had to have just the right minimal level of procrastination to feel like you're cheating yourself and winning a little bit um had to have the right rewards sometimes i'd be like man what is your reward i mean just you know being less stressed is the is the biggest That's not a reward oh, not, <laughs> like like absolving yourself of stress and followed by um i don't know like treating yourself to a monster out of a vending machine Ugh. don't i don't i would get a smoothie a naked smoothie every now and then to treat myself that's and like I treat myself too much to where it doesn't even become treats anymore. I got ice cream the other night for no real purpose aside from just wanting it. So is it the Ben and Jerry's? Yeah, Oda the Swirl. Big ups to Oda the Swirl. Ben and Jerry's flavors. Top two. Number one, chocolate therapy. Number two, Oda the Swirl. Number three, who gives a shit? They're all like whatever after that. I like Americone Dream. <sighs> I like cone. There's caramel in there. Yeah, you don't like caramel. I don't like caramel either, but I actually tolerate it in that ice cream. The only thing I tolerate caramel in is um. The the um, chocolate chip frappes at McDonald's. Because the chocolate chip frappe is just a chocolate and a caramel frappe. Is it a frappe or is it a frap? Frappe. Frappe? frappe. Is there an accent over that E? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Okay. Have you ever seen that word before? Yeah, I have. I just I feel like McDonald's doesn't use accents in their, in McDonald's their uses promotional a lot of material. There's, there's an accent in McCafe. Is there? I yeah. just pay attention to those things unimportant to me i don't go to mcdonald's often but like neither do i but i used to i've when was the last time you went to mcdonald's <sighs> i'd say a month ago that's yeah it's too 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 soon what do you mean i probably go to mcdonald's like once a year every now and then just like having six nugs it's great and i just drive through get an oreo mcflurry and then leave that's gross what no it's fine Ma- soft serve for mcdonald's is like bad um it's not soft serve it's a McFlurry. Get it right. It's 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 a, like not, it's not even a dairy treat. It's like fake. It's like plastic. That shit if you leave And the it out, chicken it nuggets are <laughs> Excuse me, all white meat chicken nuggets. Don't make me do a promo for McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's has good fries, has good no, apple pies. Bad has, fries. Bad fries, bad you, apple pies. Okay, uh you not only are you wrong about not being able to observe the world around you, you're also wrong about French fries because you like In-N-Out. I do like In-N-Out. Yeah, I think that like there's some things you can just be objectively wrong about, and the and it's this. No, I disagree. You would disagree because you're wrong. No, I think it's easy to point and uh, and say someone's wrong, but it's fine. It's not just easy; it's fun, and oftentimes it's correct. But you haven't given any cited any reasons. Motherfucker, if you want me to, I will break. <laughs>